Hey, welcome to the VSM TV Sermon Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope as you hear the message, it inspires you and gives you faith to see how God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. All right. So tonight we're starting our sermon series called Worship. And as you can see on the screen, tonight is Worship the Action. So if you're writing notes, that's probably a good thing to write down. Um, Also, I finally got into the 21st century, as you can see, and I'm using an iPad, which is amazing because I have always handwritten my notes and it actually cramped my hands for a while. And so this is amazing because I can legit just speak and then it types it onto the screen for me, so I love it. Um, AKA, this is what lazy pastors do. Um, So tonight, our sermon series worship um, is the action. Next week, we're gonna be looking at another focus around worship, but tonight is the action. And the lessons, uh, it's going to be kind of lesson teaching more than it is preaching. So I'll give you that, that heads up. So if you're writing notes, you guys are going to have to write a, a lot of notes tonight because this, this is some really important stuff. So tonight I want to answer the question, what does worship look like and where did it come from? What does worship look like and where did it come from? Open up your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 23. 16, 23. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 23. It is in the Old Testament. When you get there, say holla. But say like a British person. I want to hear like some British accents. You guys can, you, when you get there, you can actually say like holla. I give you permission. I give you blessing to talk. Uh, First Chronicles chapter 16. Chapter 16. And it's going to be verse 23. First Chronicles 16, 23. We're going to open up with verse 23. It says, when you get there, it says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. We're doing a lot of ascribing tonight. (laughs) Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot move. And then verse 31, let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for who you are and your, your deep love for us, that you would send your son Jesus to die on the cross and show us grace so that we can come back into right relationship with you, God, in righteousness. Um, Father, I pray that my words would not be my own tonight, God, but would they be you speaking and just use me as your vessel tonight, God. Would you open our ears to hear, our hearts to understand, and our, our eyes to see what you're doing in the scriptures as we look in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I want to just start off this sermon series with first, oh my goodness, that is my gum, that is gross. Um, 
I want to first start it off by defining what worship is, because I don't know about y'all, but like worship is kind of a weird word that you don't really say unless you're in church. Um, so it's actually in Webster's Dictionary as this. Um, also, I love the iPad because I can just copy and paste like def definitions now instead of handwriting them, and that sucked. So the first definition from Webster's Dictionary says, the definition, definition of worship is to honor or reverence as a divine being or supernatural power. I love that word, supernatural. Also another word that you don't really use outside the church. The second definition is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. To regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. I've also been told that the definition of worship is what we sacrifice our time to. Um, that person that told me that was actually someone who was like, yeah, so, I mean, you like football, right? And I'm like, yeah, I love football. Like, I'm a Seahawks fan. And he's like, yeah, well, kind of like worshiping the Seahawks whenever you watch a game. I'm like, wow, okay, that's like, that's a little bit much. That's a little too much. But he kind of had a point. What we sacrifice our time to is what I've been told is also the definition of worship. So how are we gonna, going to even worship? How are we to even worship? What does worship look like? That's the question. And we're going to look at the life of King David tonight. King David, because he really, I think, sets the tone for what a worshipful life is. So in your Bibles, open up to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. When you get there, say, what, what? Say it like, what, what? 2 Samuel chapter 6, and we're going to be actually in verse 14. 2 Samuel, a.k.a. known as 2 Samuel chapter 6, in verse 14. This is where we're going to be uh, really focusing in this chapter for the rest of the night. So don't worry, I'm not going to make you guys flip through your Bibles all too much tonight. Easy night tonight. So, everyone there? I didn't hear too many what was. Sweet. Verse 14. Now King David was told the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So I'm going to pause right there. Um, you guys remember uh, two weeks ago, actually, before our, hall our hallelujah party, we, we talked about the life of King David. Remember, everyone? Yeah. Um, we talked about the life of King David, so this is actually like not too far off of what we were talking about. So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Interesting. But here's verse 14. Where I, this is uh, where I really want to start us here. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and a sound of trumpets. A linen ephod, that's a really, I, I honestly did not know what that was until I went to Bible college. That's a bizarre thing and I would be uh, pretty shocked if any of you guys knew what an ephod was. Um, but first off, I want you guys to picture this. I want you guys to use your creative minds, right? We're young. We have creative minds, hopefully. Um, get this mental image. King David, not just David, like King David, the king, 
He's dancing before the Lord. Number one, that's kind of unusual. Dancing is like you're either doing it on a stage for a performance or you're a weirdo at your house dancing in front of like your family. I don't know. I don't know what you guys do. <laughs> um, but I would have loved to have seen like what kind of moves like he would have busted out. Like I think that we got pretty like random dance moves like with the Fortnite, the whip, the, the nene. Like y'all saw me do that. But what, like, what kind of dancing, like, what did Bible time dancing look like? I don't even, like, is that like the, I don't know, like shimmy? <laughs> I, I honestly do not know. But um, it says that he danced with, quote, unquote, all his might. I want you guys to think about this. If you need to close your eyes to think about this, this dude is dancing. But he's not just dancing. He's dancing with all his might. What does that even mean? Like, what is dancing with all your might? Like, are you sweating? Like, what, like, that, that's, I just don't, I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't even, that's like very aggressive. I don't, I don't know how I feel about when someone says that you dance with all your might. I, I think it would have been funny to watch, regardless. Like, if I was sitting in the crowd just watching King David, like, dancing, like, with all his might, I probably would have been laughing. And he says that he was wearing an ephod. So, an ephod, um, is actually a type of clothing, and usually high priests would wear these ephods. Um, but David was not wearing a normal ephod, he was wearing a linen ephod. And what an ephod mostly is, is basically underwear. And he was wearing, uh, you know, I'm actually, Caitlin, do you want to toss up that picture that we got? This is a prediction of what King David looked like dancing in front of the ark with his linen ephod. So, I mean, this dude is like half naked with like a little tunic and there's a bunch of people. That's just kind of an interesting picture. Um, pretty brave, to be honest. I'm not sure that I, I would have that courage. But we learn something about worship here from uh, King David. We see David's all-out worship for God. If you're writing notes, that's a good one to write. David's all-out worship for God. He's dancing. I mean, the homie is dancing. I'm not sure that I could like, do that, what he's doing in that picture. That's a little much. <laughs> but he didn't hold back anything. King David did not hold back anything. He didn't care. But I want you guys to remember this. King David was a king. King David was a king at this time. And he's up there. He had power, influence. He could have said something and they would have listened, whoever it was. He could have given an order and they would have gone. But this dude is a king with power and influence, and he's out there dancing like a fool. Like dancing legit like a fool because of the good things that God has done. We're going to continue in verse 20. So we're going to skip a couple of verses, actually. So in your Bible, in verse 20 of the same chapter 6, verse 20, it says, When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has dis distingu uh, distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. Okay, so that's like one sentence, but Michael's low-key like going off on David right here. Like Michael's go like, she's going off. She's not happy with David. 
But she kind of has a point, doesn't she? I mean, she says how the king of Israel has dis distinguished himself today going around half naked in full view of the slave girls. How many people know that going around dancing half naked in front of people is not really a good thing to do, like in the public, right? You guys aren't raising your hands. I'm kind of concerned. You guys, you guys think that? Okay. Oh, okay, we got one hand. Cool. <laughs> um, but she kind of has a point. I mean, it's not the smartest thing to, to do is, is go all out like, like that. That's just that's a little much. To be half naked in front of a bunch of people dancing. But there's something to be taken away from this. True, all-out, expressive worship can make you look dumb to some people. We're talking about worship, right? We're talking about the action of worship. And I will tell you, there will be people that look at you and they don't understand what you're doing. And if you're actually, with all your heart, all-out, expressing your love and praise to God, there will be people that do not understand what you're doing and they may even make fun of you. They may laugh at you, they may scoff at you. They may say some things behind your back. They may be fine when they're here tonight, but they may be even raising their hands like you, but they may be saying things and making you feel uncomfortable after youth group or something, making you feel like you, you can't do that. People just don't get it. But I'll, I'm giving you a forewarning right now. It's okay. People won't get it. True, all-out, expressive worship can make you look dumb to some people. You, get, you may get mocked, or made fun of because of your genuine worship for God, but David doesn't care. I would rather worship with passionate love to Jesus like David than with a religious spirit like Michael. I think, I actually, I, look, I honestly look at your guys' generation, and it's weird because like I'm not the same generation as you guys even though I'm not that much older. Your guys' generation has so much passion for things. Do you guys understand that? Like. It may not always be the right things, but you guys are passionate people. A millennial is like, we're kind of wishy-washy with things, but you guys are so passionate. And I would rather see someone passionately worshiping because of their passionate love for Jesus than someone who's sitting in the back row saying you're not doing it right and criticizing. Let's continue on verse 21. Verse 21, it says, David said to Michael, so now we're getting to hear what David's going to respond. So I mean, if I was David after she just said that, I would be like thinking of like the hottest like comebacks, like straight fire, like I'm about to go full savage mode on these people. But David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me the ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. Okay. This, like, there's no, it may not sound like it, but that is legit, the, that is the most awesome comeback that I could have think, like, could possibly think about for what she said. It was before the Lord. He's saying, I was dancing, I was doing that whole thing before the Lord, who chose me rather than your father, ouch, or anyone from your house, ouch, when he appointed me the ruler over the Lord's people and I will celebrate before the Lord. I love how David responds. Um, I think of it like this. If David were to put it, if this was written today, I feel like this is how I would have written it. Girl, I don't care what you think. I'm doing this for God, not you. That's basically what David's saying. Like, I don't care what you think. I, don't, I really just don't care because it's not for you. And I think that you guys, um, this is something we have to understand as a body of Christ, as believers, 
of Jesus, we have to understand that worship is not for you. It's not for your neighbor. It's for God. I think that when we realize that we aren't worshiping for others or even ourselves, then we can realize that all of the thoughts that we think don't actually matter. The, the thoughts that say, I don't like this song. I don't like this beat. I don't like to sing. I'm bad at singing. I don't clap. I don't want to be that one dude who raises their hand, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sh I mean, the list goes on and on. And I don't know what that is for you. I mean, for me personally, when I was your guys' age, I didn't like lifting my hands because I didn't want to be that one dude. Like, I didn't want to be that one, like, try hard. That's like, oh, I see you over there, you try hard. Like, like I didn't want to be that guy who got gossiped about. I was super self-conscious about that. But none of that stuff matters when you realize that you're not worshiping for yourself, your neighbor. You're worshiping for God. You, you're doing it as an act of sacrifice to, to God. Praise his name, because his name is so much better than any other thing. And honestly, I don't even care what my neighbor thinks of me when I'm praising, when I'm worshiping, because it's beyond me. It's beyond them. Let's continue. Verse 22. I will become even more, so here we, uh, David's actually continuing um, talking. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. So he says, I will become even more undignified than this. I will become even more undignified. How do you get more undignified than dancing around half naked? Like, if I saw someone dancing in scapoos, which I honestly feel like is a pretty high possibility, <laughs> someone dancing on the streets of scapoos half naked, I'd be like, wow, that's embarrassing. Like, whoever, like, is related to him, like, whew, that sucks for you. It's kind of awkward. But like, bro, you just danced half naked in front of so many people and you're saying that you're gonna be even more humiliated than that? Like you're gonna be more undignified than that? What's more humiliating than that? And if there is still room for David to grow deeper in, in, his, uh, in worship, then what does that say about us, to, about you and me? Because I'm listening to the story as we're reading and I'm like, this dude is pretty all out for Jesus. If he's dancing in front of crowds, as we saw in the picture, dancing in front of crowds half naked, wearing a tunic, and going ham, going all out. And if he's still saying that he needs to grow, and that he can take a next step, that he can go next level, I don't know, there's like some song out right now, I don't even know who it's by or what the name is, but I was at the Blazer game and it was like, level up, level up, level up. I have no idea what it was. I thought of like Pokemon, but, on side note, <laughs> say that somebody. Um, but he says, I will become even more undignified. So he's like, oh, you thought I made a fool of myself? Check out this. Like, I'm never gonna say that. I will never say that in my life. Like, oh, you thought I like, was really lame then? Like, check me out now. But are we seeking to step out of our comfort zone? Are you actually, if I were to ask you this, are you willing to step out of your comfort zone? As young people, I'm, and I'm, I'm still young, I, I struggle with this, honestly. Comfort zones are nice, right? Because you don't, you don't have to worry in your comfort zone. You don't have to stress in your comfort zone. You don't have to worry about what people say when you're in your comfort zone. Sometimes being in your comfort zone actually means hanging out with a certain group of people that you shouldn't be hanging out with. But that, that group, they're, they're cool with you. They accept you. They don't, they don't say anything that hurts your feelings. So you're like, yeah, 
This is my group because this is my comfort zone. We're unwilling to get out of our comfort zone. But my question is, are you willing to grow and get out of your comfort zone so that you can be more passionate in showing our pray and your praise to God? Because I'll tell you what, if you're full, all out, praising God passionately, it's not very comfortable in some situations. Um, I actually, this, wow, this is a throwback. Too bad it's not Thursday. <laughs> um, the first time I ever preached at youth group, before I was a youth pastor, this is, wow, so long ago. Sam, you might remember this, maybe. First time I ever preached, I actually was talking about a pretty similar uh, topic. Um, so this is, a, this is a throwback to my senior year of high school, or maybe my junior year. And I was driving, nonetheless. And I was driving, and, and Pastor Josh at the time, he was uh, preaching on worship just like this and talking about actually a similar thing of how are we doing, excuse me, um, to step out of our comfort zone, to get on that next level. He was challenging us as a youth group, and so I was like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna accept that challenge, I'm gonna go all in, and I'm gonna worship while I'm driving, and I'm gonna like, not just like sing the words and stuff, but I'm gonna like close my eyes. No, I'm just kidding, that's a joke. Closing your eyes and driving is not a good thing. <laughs> Um, like two people left. I'm glad I still got jokes. <laughs> um, but I was like, I'm going to go all out while I'm driving, like to work and stuff. And so I started lifting my hands while driving. And I'm like stepping out of my comfort zone because number one, I'm like, all right, I don't like lifting my hands in church. So maybe while I'm by myself, I can do it and not be scared of judgment <laughs> by other people. And so I'm driving and Scapus is a pretty small town. You know a lot of people. And I'm driving down Highway 30, and I get to this stoplight right here, right actually by the church, um, right by the, the police station, skate park right there, and it's a red light, and I am lifting my hands and belching out worship. And I look to my left, and there's a lady stopped right next to me, and she's looking at me like I'm the craziest person in the world, because I'm like, she, she can't hear me, but she is like, you could, I, I could only imagine what she was seeing. Because, like, I'm going all out, like, singing, raising my hands, like, moving my body in, like, a violent motion. I don't know. And she gives me this look of, like, um, y'all good over there? Like, should I call the cops? Are you having, like, a violent, like, convulsion in your car while driving? <laughs> should I be concerned? And at that moment, I was like, I don't know, if, first of all, I don't even know this lady. Secondly, she probably had no idea what I was doing. But I immediately locked eye, uh, eyes with her and ra or lowered my arm and was like, all right, I'm not doing that again. That was awkward. Someone I don't even know. I was like so scared of what she thought because I was in my comfort zone. I'm not saying that you should go out and dance half naked and stuff. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't listen to what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you should go out and dance half naked and stuff. So please don't do that. But, at least, but are you at least desiring to praise God in ways that you may not feel comfortable with? Are you willing to take that challenge, that, that challenge of getting out of your comfort zone to do something for, for God, the one who does so many good things? See, David, he knew the good things uh, God had been blessing him with, and he, he realizes that God is deserving of praise. First, we gotta realize that God is deserving of praise. David's life teaches us how we, how we can have a heart that always desires deeper praise. 
David's worship ultimately, though, directs us to look at Jesus, the perfect worshiper. Um, David's life is awesome, and we're going to continue looking at David's life next week, but I want you guys to understand this. David is still not Jesus. Jesus is the perfect worshiper. Jesus is the one who was so all out for his God that he actually died on the cross. And in him, we find our freedom to worship with everything that we have. Not out of guilt or obligation. We don't worship out of obligation. We don't worship out of guilt. But we worship because of the good news of the gospel that says that we are covered by the blood of Jesus and raised to life again. Come on, somebody. We worship because of the good news of the gospel that says that we are covered by the blood of Jesus and raised to life again. So after looking at the life, at the way uh, King David worshipped, we can conclude with these four principles of what worship is. If you're writing notes, I'll go slow. Number one, worship is all out. The first principle of what worship is, is worship is all out. Number two, worship draws contempt or mockery. I'm sorry to say it, but worship draws contempt or mockery. Those are kind of interesting words. I'll make it simple by saying worship can draw you or can cause you to be made fun of because worship isn't normal to, nor to the, the world that we live in. They don't get it. They don't understand. Number three, worship is for God. And you can make like, make, make like a little side note on that. Say, worship is not for me. It's not for my neighbor, but it's for God. Worship is for God. So one is, worship is all out. Number two is, worship draws contempt or mockery. Number three is, worship is for God. And then the last one, number four, is worship always grows deeper. Worship always grows deeper. See, David, where he was at, which, I mean, I look at that picture, and I, I read this story, and I say, I'm not sure that I even have the guts to do what he did. But yet, the way that this, this chapter kind of ends here is it says that he's willing to be more undignified and more humiliated for his faith and for the, the willingness to praise God. And I'm looking at that like, Man, if he's saying that he can do more, and he's already doing so much more than me, like, what am I doing? Well, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and we have a couple things that we would love for you to do. First, we would love to have you subscribe to our channel so that you can be updated whenever the latest message comes out. And secondly, if you want to stay up to date with all that's going on in Viral Student Ministries, you can always follow us on Instagram at viral underscore student underscore ministries. And with all that being said, we hope you'll join us next week on the vsm.tv podcast.